0: Will Smith, in the movie, The Pursuit of Happiness, works for the American dream. The American dream, the American dream where we start out with nothing, and by scraping and studying and in having integrity and working hard, we end up with something. The American dream that wherever you are, from wherever you have come, you still have a shot at it. You still have a chance of becoming middle class, maybe upper class, maybe a tycoon, maybe even president, if that's what it takes, because that's the American dream. Our text today is hardly about the American dream. It seems to be about the opposite of the American dream. For everything that the American dream represents, the Beatitudes talk against, or say it a different way. When uh, it says, you know, blessed are the poor, that is not the American dream. We want to get out of poverty, we want to walk away from poverty, and we want to make it on our own, and we don't want to have to be dependent on anyone, and certainly not to have to end up on welfare. Blessed are the hungry, but... We don't even hardly, who hardly even knows anybody who's hungry. You almost have to be poverty stricken to be truly hungry. You have to live somewhere where we don't live, Lester, are those who mourn. We don't now. It's it's the pursuit of happiness. It's the pursuit of the dream. It's the pursuit of life being good. And we certainly don't want to be excluded or disrespected, and if we're not respected as Americans, we will sue you. That's the American dream. That I can somehow have it all and somehow life will be good and somehow it won't end and somehow I'll just go on and on. The dream. When Jesus gives these beatitudes, interestingly enough, he gives them to the disciples. They're on a level plane, and people have come from Tyre and Sidon and around there to be healed and to hear Jesus talk. And, but the disciples are there, and not just the twelve. It says there was a whole crowd of disciples, a group of them, a large number of them. And Jesus turned to the disciples and said, And the interesting thing is that he used second tense. He used second person. He said, Blessed are you disciples who are poor. Yours is the kingdom. Blessed are you disciples who are hungry today. Don't worry about it. You'll be satisfied. Blessed are you who mourn. Blessed are you when men exclude you and throw you out and hate you and mistreat you and act as though your name is an evil name. (laughs) Ha, ha. Rejoice, be glad, great is your reward in heaven. You're blessed. So he's talking to the disciples about their values. And he uses second person because it's not about the abstract. It's not about the people that we read about in magazines. It's not about the people we see on television who don't have anything. It's about disciples who are faithful disciples. And because they are faithful disciples, they get themselves into spots they would have never dreamed of because that's what discipleship is. So he says, blessed are you. Interestingly enough, we don't even talk that way today. Why, the American dream is so much a part of us, we really kind of think we can have it all. Look, we're middle-class Americans. We arrive here as middle-class Americans. We expect to leave here as middle-class Americans. And we expect if we die a lot of debts, that somehow our congregation will pay for them. Jesus' values are not our values. His values have to do with the kingdom. When we say, I'm so blessed, it always has to do with something that we got. I'm so blessed because uh, somebody came through with $1,000 for my family. I am so blessed. I can pay my bills again. I'm so blessed because we had a new baby and the baby's just perfect. I said to a student yesterday, God's blessings on your coming engagement may it go well. We, we talk about blessings being the happy things. They're the happy moments in life. And when God blesses us and prospers us and things go well, then we say, I'm so blessed. And Jesus talks about blessings that don't have to do with the circumstances, but that have to do with the kingdom. But if the circumstances point to the kingdom, then the disciple is blessed. But it's different than saying, I'm not poor, therefore I'm blessed. On the contrary, it says, blessed are you who are poor. I'm not hungry. I only have to worry about making sure I don't put on too many pounds and eat too many sweets, you see. Jesus says, no, if you were hungry, I would announce and pronounce you blessed. Because his values are not our values, and they have to do with the kingdom of God. Everything else is secondary to the kingdom of God. If the discipleship points to the kingdom of God, then the reward is the kingdom of God. If it means we're part of the kingdom of God, then it's a sure thing that the kingdom belongs to the likes of us. Sinners though we are, sinners though we be. So Jesus says, look, if any of these things happen, rejoice. I have known one student in my 14 years here who talked to me about poverty. And I'm sure other people have come through that have had really hard times in life. But this student said, you know... I was living alone. I was in my apartment. I had no money. I just couldn't ask my parents for money again. And I didn't know what to do. But I knew that if I bought potatoes... Potatoes were cheap. And I could live on potatoes. So I lived on potatoes for a few weeks. And then things got better. And while the, while the students survived living on potatoes... He also felt the hurt of having to live on potatoes when you live in a land of plenty. He felt demeaned and belittled because poverty has a way of brutalizing on the inside. Demeaning, reducing us to nothing when you have to beg, when you have to look to somebody else for just something good to eat. There's nothing good about it. But Jesus says, well, look, the good news are going to have the people, the poor will have good news preached to them. So if these things happen to you as a disciple, rejoice. If you walked away from a great job and you're here, rejoice. If you're a little bit hungry because you've got too many children and, and the food doesn't, well, you just don't eat as well as you used to eat. You're so blessed with those children. If you're sad because you can't minister to your dying father and he really needs you, but you're here at the seminary, count it a great blessing from God. If you're grieving because of loss. If people have mistreated you, I know a student who's over at Covenant Seminary and his mother says, when he goes to the gym, people ask him what he's going to do with his life. And he's kind of cute and they ask him, what are you going to do? And he says, I'm going to become a pastor. And the people say, really? And they sneer. And they don't respect it. And he just didn't expect that to be. Some of you I know no longer have fiancés because they didn't want to be married to a pastor. And some of you say, tell me, you know, I lost my friends, some of my friends when I said I was coming to the seminary, because they don't have that value, and they can't understand it, and they just don't seem as close as they used to be. Rejoice. Your reward in heaven is great. The kingdom of God belongs to the likes of you. So if you're sent out there to Africa and you're not sure that you should be there because it's subsistence living and and it's not good and you don't know if you should have brought your children there or not, rejoice. You are blessed. If you're sent to the tundra of Alaska and somehow in the winters the people drink too much because the days are long, and it gets tawdry and cheap you're blessed and if you go to japan and the culture just doesn't want you there <laughs> you're blessed and if you end up if you end up in some old city congregation you know a couple of weeks ago professors were sitting around talking and the one said they all want to go to the suburbs now perhaps it's the glitz, or perhaps it's the fact that we're middle Americans and we expect middle America, you see. So if you end up in some old congregation where they can't make the budget, and as one pastor said, every day we die a little. Then look the homeless in the eye and say, I am so blessed. Because that's what Jesus would say. I am so blessed because the poor have good news preached to them, and I can be part of that. The scripture is coming true through me. What could be greater? To announce to the new to the poor that there are good news. It's not the American nightmare. It's God's dream. God's dream that we be so committed to the kingdom and the kingdom be so a part of our lives that the rest is just secondary. We just kind of put up with all this other stuff, all the other trappings of life, all the other circumstances of life, all the other difficulties of life. That God will lead us through them. It's just that they are there. St. Paul says, I have learned the secret of being content in every and any situation, whether well-fed or hungry, living in plenty or want. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. For God's dream was his dream. And God's values were his values. And in Luke 16, he said, said, No servant can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will despise the one and be devoted to the other. You cannot serve God and money. And the Pharisees sneered. Because they expected you could really do both. You could be religious... And you could serve money, too. And Jesus turned around and said, what is highly valued among men is detestable in God's sight. It's detestable. No wonder that Jesus goes on in this beatitude and says, so woe to you. Woe to you, are rich. You've got it already. Woe to you, who are hungry. Woe to you, laugh now. Woe to you, and everybody says, you're a great guy. That's the way they treated the false prophets. My pastor and I golf together, you see. But when you go out, focus on the lambs and the sheep. God will bless with everything else. Because then you and I are resting in Jesus. We're resting in Jesus who did all these things on our behalf. He was willing to be poor, for he says, foxes have holes in the ground, birds of the air have nests. On a man doesn't have a place to lay his head. He was hungry, fasted 40 days and 40 nights to fulfill all things, to be tempted in every way as we are, to open the kingdom to people like us. He wept at the tomb of Lazarus because he felt sad for Martha and Mary. And he was despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, that the people of God might know what the real blessings in life are, and that is to be a member and a disciple of his holy kingdom. Through his obedience to the Father, there is no disciple who will ever be without the blessing of God. So if the nightmare happens, you must be a Jesus person. Your future is so secure. And if you're willing to live among the poor and be a little hungry and not have everything intact, then say, I am so blessed. For it's a sign of the kingdom of God that the good news is preached to the poor. And you are those preachers and you are those deaconesses. And if all this happens... Skip around a little, jump like people on Deal or No Deal, be crazed about it, not because you finally got something off the board, but because it is what it is. And Will Smith, it is far better than the American dream. Amen.